0: I've been praying for everybody hard this week. I know what I was going to be dealing with. I was really praying we'd have a lot more men, but we don't. I've already sought the throne of the king and asked him to lovingly, mercifully, gently get me out of this thing alive. So I was told, uh, 26, 23. This is 23. This is the 23rd message on these three verses. So you guys get it yet? <laughs> Once you guys get it, then I can move on. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. Do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Father, thank you for your holy book. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit that teaches us, that guides us, that keeps us rightly dividing truth. So, Lord, I would ask that this morning you would teach, that uh, we would set aside our preconceived notions and lie before the Word of God, and with joy in our hearts, songs in our hearts, we would say amen and amen to Christ and Christ alone. Amen. We are dealing with a wonderful topic a big subject to one another, and it sets the stage... For his illustrations that begin in verse 21 and run through 6, 9. And he deals with the dynamic that is the family. And he is going to illustrate being subject to one another using the family. Okay. The problem is, and I mean, we can use that and I understand it. But when I look around at what you and I deal with on a daily basis with family units, I look at, you know, I, I don't use the word dysfunctional family because I don't think anybody knows what a functional family is. Uh, I mean, and if I'm really honest with myself, Jesus was born to a dysfunctional family. His mom was human. His dad was God. I don't care how you cut that thing. That's dysfunctional. Okay, so when I hear people say, well, this is a dysfunctional family, no. But I will lay out some things here that you will see, I hope. (laughs) I have things that I have been Praying and watching and and I and, and listening and and I really can't cover everything that I want to on what submission is, so what I look at is the dynamics that you and I are dealing with in our day to day walks with other Christians, okay, our interactions maybe with other churches, maybe things that we have read and not read, and I try to c- cover all of those with the Word of God in that way. We have the full armor of God on. Okay? When I look at this and I think about the world, you guys know that I love history. Throughout history, we all have to submit somewhere to somebody. And it just doesn't matter. You know, I've watched people... I heard a lady, and I'll deal with this a little more make the comment that Satan stole the election from Donald Trump. And uh, toward the end of this message, you'll see what I really think about that. But the truth of the matter is, God puts in place the leaders, and he takes down the leaders. Satan's got nothing to do with it. Please understand that. Satan didn't steal nothing. Now, was there some shenanigans? That's a theological term, in case you were wondering. Yeah, there's some things there that don't make sense. Okay. But I, and I know that it was real because nobody wants to look into it. Okay. If it's not real, then I would want to prove it by looking into it. But that's me. And when I look at our society, everything that we have is based on authority and submission. Now we like to, think, well, I'm an American and I am my own man. No, you're not. I guarantee you, you come down that hill right there by the Catholic Church, and you do 150 coming down in that corner and there's a cop down there, you're submitted. Okay. Quickly. All right. I started it on this because it seems like everybody knows verse 22. Okay. Wiser to submit their own husband as unto Christ, okay? And we say, all right, whatever. I mean, all the husbands know it. All the wives know it. I mean, it's like I've never memorized a verse of Scripture in my life, but I know that one, okay? But I... Husbands are to bow to their wives. Husbands are to die for the needs of the wife. That's what this says. Okay, now some women are trying to kill them, but that's, not, that's a whole different argument. I'll get with that later. All right? But it also says that the fathers, and it literally could be translated parents, are to bow to the need of the child as not to provoke the child. Uh, the master is to bow to the needs of the servant, and the servant is to bow to the needs of the master. And what you have in this text is illustrations of submission. Because remember this letter, the essence of this letter, if you take one massive theme for this book of Ephesians, it's that we are one in Christ. We are one in Christ. You can look through Scripture, Titus and First Timothy, and you see Elders and deacons. We are given a list of qualifications. All right. To be an elder, you do not necessarily have to have a position of leadership in the world. Years and years and years and years ago, I think maybe Cheryl and Randy may be the only ones who remember. We had a we were moving to elders. And we had a guy who was the head of our finances. He he wrote the checks, and he did this, he did that. And uh, the reason that he was there is that he was vice president of IBM. And I spent time with him, multiple different times interaction with him. I don't think the guy was ever saved. But that's what he did for in the world. Therefore, we're going to put you in charge of the money for the church. And I thought, didn't they do that to Judas? I, I, because I, I remember we were—I don't know if anybody remembers this, Cheryl, you might. We were going to buy some land up there on the other side of where the uh, rec center was. We were having some kind of—I don't know what we were doing. <laughs> we were acting really smart, and uh, we were discussing this and. This gentleman said, I am not concerned about what God is doing. I'm concerned about how we're going to get the money and pay for it. That's dangerous. Okay? So, leadership in the church is not necessarily based on leadership in the world. Because the unity that is in the church can only come from Christ. All right? Listen. Many of you work for companies. Well, you would think that everybody in the company would have the same goal, didn't you? You can see it everywhere, right? Everybody's striving for the same what? Same chaos. Okay. In the body of Christ, Christ chooses who will lead. You know what that means? He chooses who will follow. And the body of Christ cannot work any other way. You have authority. You know, it's it's like uh, studying Peter a few decades ago. I remember that there, Peter, I relate to Peter kind of in a lot of ways, but he's very simple. And he's to the point. That's the kind of way I am. Simple to the point. They're speaking gifts and they're serving gifts. Which one do you suppose there would be more of? But everybody wants to talk. Now, when they asked me to be an elder, I knew that one of the qualifications was to be a teacher. I also know what James said. Not many of you should be teachers, for their judgment is harsher. You're like, oh, geez, why would I step into it willingly? Okay. Timothy was warned, be a worker approved, rightly dividing truth. So if you're not rightly dividing truth, you shouldn't be a teacher. But it doesn't mean you're still not active in the body of Christ. But we have it in our mind that the people who do all the talking, that's that's the church right there. And it, and it's not. It's like I told all those guys every time that I went to Russia and Azerbaijan, all the rest of it, that... I represent our church. The church sent me. Okay, because nobody else is dumb enough to do it. <laughs> Give it to Mikey, he'll eat it. But they sent me. But I was a representation of all of you. And I there's too many times, uh, I get nervous when you see ministries named after the person. Okay, that one there is sort of like, What? Okay, because whatever your ministry is, where did you get it? God gave it to you. And it may be a following ministry. It may be a speaking ministry. It's it's always going to be a serving ministry. The church cannot function without leaders and followers. But look at the biggest thing we've got, the government. In the government, you have authority and submission. Okay, now listen. (laughs) Government authority is not necessarily godly authority. Didn't know that, did you? Aren't you glad I told you? Okay, but I have seen it throughout history where God raises up leaders that are not godly. All right, but for a purpose he has placed them there. All right. If you don't have godly leaderships, please hear me on this. All right. That is God's problem to deal with it. Okay. That is not our problem. We are to pray for him. We are to pray for him. Okay. Governments are ordained by God. And I don't care how loopy they are, He put them there. Listen, God is our creator. And God knows that humans cannot exist without authority. All right. I mean, if you think about it, you're coming into town. You're 55 on top of the hill, 45 down. You come down the hill, and then it transitions to 35, and then as soon as you get to the intersection, it's 25. Why? Well, you got a railroad track. you got a bunch of intersections and stuff like that. Why would I have to put signs up to tell you how to do that? I mean, if I'm coming into town, I should pick up speed. Blow the horn and smile. Okay. You see what I'm trying to get at? But yet we still have to have these goofy signs that says you're going too fast. All right. And I don't, why do we have to put a big old arrow in the asphalt so that we know that the lane's going to run out? I mean, if you hit the ditch, you know the lane run out. But God understands that we have to have guardrails around us to protect us from each other, there is authority and there is submission. The things that you are seeing on television right now, across our country, is a lack of one. Okay, I don't care where. You, I don't, it ain't got nothing. I'm not worried about race. I ain't worried about that. We're all human beings, so there's just one race. Okay, but uh, when I see people rebelling against authority, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to say, Oh, he's fighting back. I'll just go home. That's not what they get paid for. And, and, and you look at that now. I can take that and I can punch that little picture into everything that is around me. When I see broken homes, what do I see? Somebody's not submitted. Maybe everybody. Okay, have you ever run into some of these families with their kids in the Walmart or things like that? Somebody's not submitted. Okay, in Romans chapter 13, the powers that be are named by God. Okay, now let that sink in for a minute. Do you realize that there has never been a world leader on the planet Earth ever? that wasn't placed there by God? Now, if you're like me, there's times you're like, well, was you drinking? What the heck was that all about? Okay? But every president, prime minister, dictator, whatever, God put them there. Okay? For what reason? That's... When you get to heaven, you can ask. Okay? When I look at it, he puts them in. He names the authorities. And he has given them the sword, and it's not in vain. You know what that means? They have the ability to take your life. And God gave them that ability. Soldiers, police, government agents, they all have authority, one or the other, one way or the other. Okay? Okay. Peter says, 1 Peter 3, we submit to the laws of men. Now people say, well, you didn't submit to closing the church when the governor said it. It wasn't a law. It's a proclamation. I appreciate your concern. I appreciate the advice. But it also says in Hebrews chapter 10, do not forsake the assembly together, which is the habit of some. I just felt that us coming together was essential. That's just the way I looked at it. And it's like I said, it wasn't a law. It did not go through the administrative part of the legislative part of the, uh, Colorado. It didn't through Congress in the United States. So it wasn't a law. We have kings and governors... Presidents, prime ministers, parliaments, Congress, and God has put them over us. Okay, I understand. I mean, you said it. Well, we got <laughs> what was that joke I saw? In the difference between humans and monkeys? <laughs> monkeys don't get the stupid ones to lead the herd. <laughs> so anyway. We are to pray for Him. We are to pray with fervency for Him. Pray for their salvation. I remember when Pastor Philip, we were talking, he's, he's got a satellite phone he uses every once in a while. Now there's an adventure. Listen to a man with a thick Indian accent talk on a satellite phone. I mean, you get tired of saying, what? What? But anyway, he called me up. He says, this is important. God's laid this on my heart, and I need to share it with you. I said, all right. He says, we need to pray for Osama bin Laden's salvation. Because if that man comes to Jesus Christ, what will he do to the Muslim empire? And I was like, you know, he killed like 3,000 Americans, right? Oh, yes, but how great would that be? And he says, it was later on. Now, I started praying for him about a week later they shot him. But I don't, thats I seem to have problems with that. I had a couple of senators I was praying for. And within uh, about a month's time, they both died. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I need to be doing this or not. <laughs> so it is difficult for us at times to see evil in leadership. But please remember this. God placed them there. All right. And you know what? I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. Okay. God knows that society is maintained on authority and submission. Okay? Listen, it I shared with you last week out of Galatians 3:28. It doesn't mean that there's spiritual inequality. Okay. Doesn't mean that there's intellectual inequality. All right. It's only in its function. Spiritual inequality. Let me see, see if I can explain that to you. Well, if you got a bunch of lost people, they're not equal with us. No, but they're equal with all the rest of the lost people. Period. I mean, they may be a mass murderer or someone who's just following the doctrines of demons. But they're spiritually equal. Natural man does not understand the things of God. Correct? All right. So when you are a believer, then you are spiritually equal. Because you now what? Understand the things of God. All right. But you've got to apply yourself. I remember my mom used to say that to me all the time. It used to drive me nuts. You need to apply yourself. Why? <laughs> I'm I'm doing well. But you do these kinds of things, and I look at it, and I say, okay, we are all equal. Okay? In the body of Christ, guess what? Some are leaders, some are followers. In the government, some are leaders, some are followers. If you take the largest piece of human relationship the federal government, Romans 13, 1 Peter 3, deal with it. They tell us that the nation must function in authority. Okay, there will be rulers and authorities, governors, leaders, soldiers, police, and uh, the rest of us follow along. All right? Some of you don't know. I, I, I had a draft card. Okay? Such a cherished piece of paper that, you know, you got a number on there and once or twice a year you tried to figure out if you were going to learn to speak Canadian. No, it's, a, but you had a draft card and, and you think about it. There were authorities who concluded that they needed a conscript military. And so they had these cards made and we who got the little card had to submit if your number was up. Now, my son, my youngest, he volunteered. There's a bright idea. But anyway, he volunteered, and he was shocked. I mean, he went through basic, and then he went through jump school, and then he was waiting for his assignment. He came home, and we were sitting out on the deck talking. He says, you know what? You know, I've always thought I'm American. I have all these rights. He says, well, once you're in the Army, you ain't got no rights. And I said, uh, nope. <laughs> I said, we talked about it because we well, had talked about it before I did the run for the wall in that year. And he, he says, they just take it all away. And I mean, they don't even ask. I said, nope, they don't. And he said, uh, I wish they'd explained that a little more. And I was like, well, you know, when I was your age, I had this little card you carried around. And at that time, we were trying to drink at 18. If you had a draft card, you could drink at 18. Give give me a beer. Why? Because they're going to send me off somewhere. I'm going to make this worth it. But you did stuff like that, and you don't get to choose. He didn't even get to choose the units he was in. Okay. That is God's design, that in the government, whether it is the city government, the county government, the state government, or the federal government, there are those in authority, and there are those who submit to the authority, all right? Listen, if that's not working, you get chaos. You don't believe me? Go turn the news on. They'll show you the little places that authority and submission is not working. Now then, if I take that huge piece of human relationships, then I look at a small piece of human relationship. The family. If you do not have authority and submission, what do you have? Chaos. And listen, I have dealt with some families, and it's chaos. Why? Because because everybody knows what the woman's role is, nobody knows what the man's role is, and it's chaos. Have Have you seen families that? Have you ever heard? I don't even know if they say this anymore. Wait till your father comes home. Can anybody hear that? The most dreaded words you could ever hear, why too many today there's no one responsible for discipline. What happens in the family unit if no one is responsible for earning an income? That'd work well, wouldn't it? there's no one there responsible for giving directions. You'd have a mess. Everyone doing their own thing. You know, as you get older, and your kids get older, they kind of wander off into their little spheres, hopefully. That's the plan. (laughs) Go, 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 go. (laughs) I like leave and cleave. Anyway, it's. I look at this stuff and I say, you know, you would have been way more fun now that you're old enough and I don't ever see you. And you, you, up until that point, you kind of give them directions. And I remember Josh. I'll use him again as the illustration. I had did a, a a ride to Washington D.C. We arrived in uh, D.C. on a Saturday of Memorial Weekend. We were putting everybody together. All the bikes were meeting in the Pentagon parking lot. Okay, we were just short of a million motorcycles. And so they had us, we were head to toe, side to side, and my phone rings. And I answered the phone, and it's, and it's Josh. And Josh said, well, I did it, Dad. And I said, oh, great. What would you do, Josh? He says, well, I enlisted. And I said, well, outstanding. He says, where, where are you? And I said, in your boss's parking lot. <laughs> and he talked to me, and we, we banded it around a little bit. And I said, well, here's the deal. I said, uh, you have to tell your mother because I'm not calling her from Washington, D.C. saying, hey, your baby boy just joined the army. (laughs) And and so, you know, he learned some valuable lessons. But you kind of look back on it, and as a parent, you say, okay, these are the directions that our lives showed and directed. Okay, the discipline was there. You know, that's what I tell I never really had to yell at my kids. I busted all of their butts one time, and... I never even had to raise my voice again. It's kind of cool, as I think back on it. But you you set a path, and that's the direction of the family. I look at the family today, and it seems like everyone's doing their own thing. Now, I can't remember if it was Plato or Socrates. I don't remember which one it was, but... They made this comment. Most of us in this country believe that we're a democracy. If you listen, that's what they'll say. We are not. We're a democratic republic. Okay? One of the two philosophers says, A democracy can never exist. Because each one will want their own rights. And at some point rights will conflict with each other. And I thought, yeah, it's pretty good for a pagan. Okay? But it's true. And yet I watch the family unit, our society unit, our government unit, and what is it doing? See what I mean? I mean, this is a basic biblical principle and... He says, this is how it's designed. If you don't do it, it won't work. I look around and said, it's not working. It's not working. I look at the American family and then I look at our society. What do I see? Chaos. Remember one of the first or second time I went to Russia and we were sitting around eating dinner. There's a bunch of guys. I asked him, I said, what's the divorce rate in the church? In this area, it's Orel, it's down kind of southwest of Moscow. So what's the divorce rate in the church? And the <laughs> guy looked at me like I'd just fallen off the moon. He says, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I says, well, how many people in the church are divorced? He says, nobody. And then they started explaining it to me they don't allow the kids to date unbelievers. They don't allow the kids to date. If the kids want to go do something, they have to find a married couple to go with them to wherever it is they go. Okay? And you marry somebody in your church or another church. And if you're married... And for some reason, you're not coming together on Sunday. Because Sunday there is an all-day event. They start at Sunday school and go all the way to evening service. And very few people ever really leave the property. But if you're not there, they will approach you. Where's your husband? Where's your wife? If there's a conflict there, the leaders of the church go over to the house and stay until it's resolved. Guess what? We don't have no divorce. Okay. And then, and you look at that and I think, wow, man, because if I try to tell a believer not to date an unbeliever, they look at me like I'm some kind of crazy clown. And yet, do they understand that I'm only trying to do it for their protection? That has how you protect one another. And they all just look at you like, oh, you're nuts. Try to tell them, now you can't date unless you have another adult married couple go with you. Sure. Try that. I'll know if it worked or not, whether you got a black eye or not. I look at our country and the chaos that is in it. I look at the American family, and that's where it's coming from. You look at what this country has done to the American family. Okay? I mean, I had a guy one time tell me, he says, you know what, you can get out of a marriage easier than you can get out of a car lease. See what I mean? Uh, I had somebody ask me, they said, do you do weddings? I said, only to people that have sat under my teaching. Ah, oh, you don't do very many weddings. I said, no, not really. And I said, well, what are you worried about? Because people... They find out you're a pastor, then we want a pastor to do our wedding. I said, in Colorado, you can take your oath in front of a microwave. You can just go down and say, I do, she did, we will, and sign the paper. If there is chaos in the family, the chaos will come to the nation. And if you look at what happened in our country, I listen to everybody, the talking heads and all the experts and all the rest of it. I can tell you when the American family started falling apart, and I can tell you that within 10 years, our government started falling apart. And I look at it now. We were talking about this this morning, that it was it 71 or 72 Roe versus Wade. You never heard a word out of the church. Now, they were really ticked off about long hair on a man and rock and roll music. But you never heard anything about abortion. Now look at us. Well, I hate to tell you this, horses out of the barn. So when I look at these things like that and I say, that's when we started disintegrating our families, that is when our governments started disintegrating. Why? Because it's set up on authority and submission and one of them didn't work. It doesn't say you submit to the authority that is godly leader. It says you submit to the authority that God has placed. It's not a matter of who's better. It's a matter of God's design. Now, I'm laying this all out because it's going to get ugly here in a minute. Listen, natural man, lost man, he recognizes this. You've heard all the sayings. Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. I mean, you can just go down. the natural man understands this works. It's uh, all of these police shootings. By the way, there's not as many as they say there are. But when they happen, there's one thing that's obvious in every one of them. Resisting arrest. Who taught that? Oh, the family unit. I mean, you want to hang these guys out for what, doing their job. And I'm sitting there, well, who's training their kids to act like that? And then I go to Walmart, and I said, oh, all of them. (laughs) They're all being trained. They're little wild animals running around, just Tasmanian devils. Okay? There has to be a balance. Now then, I'm setting this up because there is a surge of this teaching that is awful. And I'm going to touch on it, and then it'll be the end of this message. Okay? The church is the same. So, some of you remember, probably just Cheryl again, when this church was congregational rule. Okay, everybody had a vote. Right? You realize how crazy that is. The church is not a representative republic. It's not a democracy. That says that if Satan's attending your church, he gets the vote. All right? So he set it up how? With elders. And there's, there's requirements in Titus and First Timothy that deals with this is an elder. This is what they look like. I remember going through the list. These guys that I was teaching in Russia, they had about a nine-page thing that they had to critique to be allowed to come to our classes. And I was reading through this thing, and I'm going, I don't even know if I can do this. What am I teaching for? But I mean, one of them it was there, they had to be 10 years in the church producing fruit and serving. That was just to come to this class. You're like, wow, 10 years, huh? But there was a bunch of questions on it. But I remember reading through this going, wow, man, glad I don't have to pass this to get in that class. The church has authority, those who are in authority, but there's also those who follow. Alright? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and following. This is the one that everybody thinks is absolutely Wonderful! You just go in any church and preach this text and you will be hailed as great leader and cheered as an amazing man of God. Here's what it says. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Well, what does that mean? Really? It seems really straightforward to me. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Okay. What's he talking about? The church. Okay. Then there's verse 12. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. (laughs) Paul the chauvinist. Okay. You know what he just said there? If you're in a church that has a woman preacher... You're in a heretical church. Why? That's what the Word of God says. Listen, I've heard some phenomenal women teachers. They are not to be in authority. They are not to teach over a man. Why? I thought you'd never ask. Verse 13. For it was Adam, first created, and then Eve. Who was first? Adam was. When the church comes together, women are to learn. Don't miss that part. He ain't saying, women, just go somewhere, be quiet, and when we're done, we'll come get you. He wants the women to learn. Okay? But they do it in all subjection. You know, the biggest battles that I've had in this church, you want to guess which sex it was? Women. i seen a woman down at the other place. We had a 4.0 solid core door. Okay? Big stinking door with a hydraulic closer on it. Okay? Big stinking door. And she got so mad that when she left, she slammed that door back through the door jamb, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh <laughs> that's, I, I guess you're I guess you're not coming back to the church, huh okay and I, now listen I'm not here to pick on women; I'm outnumbered today, but I'm just wanting you to know that God says no." God says no. No women preachers. That is the standard for the church. Now, I got to give you a caveat. Rhoda and Stephen, David, they attend the Church of the Brethren in Peter's Head, Scotland. And uh, they don't have a pastor, they have elders. And an elder may think, okay, I I would like to teach the book of, I don't know, Matthew. And so they give him the pulpit until he gets the book of Matthew taught. Then they, somebody else may want to teach on tithing or may want to teach on something else, and that's what they do. But if you talk to them, you'll find out that their wives are pastors. And you go, hey, wait a minute. How do you do that? But they don't use poimia, that's what pastor comes from, in the noun form. They use it in the verb form. The elders pastor. Okay. The elders' wife do what? Pastor too. They tend the flock. That's what pastoring means. I'm tending the flock. Okay. Listen, I don't want to go into the delivery room when some lady's having a baby. Because she wants spiritual guidance. I'm going to send the woman. Take care of this. Okay? I'll bless them when they're all out. Whatever. But you see what I mean? And and so, when I hear the word pastor, you and I always look at it as a noun. In Church of the Brethren in Scotland, it's a verb. It's a verb. And if you're in leadership, your primary responsibility is what? Shepherd and feed the flock of God. When it says shepherd, it's the noun, the verb form of poimia, which is pastor. You take care of them. Okay? But listen, when it comes to leadership in the church, no women. That is the standard. All right? Now listen, it does not mean that women are inferior Man, I could go all over the place. Old Testament and New Testament where godly women did amazing things. They were very accomplished. Whether it was Esther, whether it was Ruth, just go down the list. All kinds of women. Deborah. Not so much, uh, what's-his-name's daughters. But anyway... uh, I share this because I want you to think about it because we all get in our mind that if I'm not in some kind of leadership or speaking ability or something like that, then I'm not. No, you're not inferior. You are gifted exactly what the Holy Spirit wants you to do in the body of Christ. But there is order in the church. Those in authority, those in submission. Listen, not every man can be an elder. Every man should strive to be a deacon. But there are just some people who are not gifted to teach. If the Holy Spirit hasn't empowered you, don't worry about it. God has designed men to be the strength and leadership in the nation and in the home. When you get a woman... In the pulpit, you get problems. You know who founded Christian Science? A woman. You know who founded the Unity Church? A woman. You know who birthed the Pentecostals? A woman. The Branch Davidians. We all know the Branch Davidians, right? Down in Waco. You know who founded that line? A woman. It was a woman who ordained David Koresh. Never God's plan. Never ends well. Listen, if it's not God's plan, there will be problems. Verse 14 says, It was not Adam who was deceived but the woman being deceived fell in to transgression it doesn't mean that a woman the female believers are inferior i personally look at women as uh, their uniqueness is far superior than men's okay that's what it says, verse 15. Women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in the faith, love, and sanctity, and self-restraint. Men have a hard time bearing children. Okay? And women are uniquely designed for that. The replacement for the Apostle Paul, young man Timothy, okay? Okay? Who trained him in the scriptures before he ran into Paul? Mother and grandmother. Mother and grandmother. Okay. I, I've i seen people, you tell people, <laughs> Paul says, but are to remain quiet. And it is amazing the level of blood pressure increase that there is. I've heard that he's anti-woman. I heard an argument one time. This is funny. To be a Pharisee, you had to be married. Okay, well, Paul was a Pharisee. All right. But they believe that what happened is when he was converted on the Damascus Road, when he came back, his wife left him. Because he was in the cat's meow as a Pharisee. Now he's this Christians, and that's the scum of the earth. Why would I want to be that? And so Paul writes this to get even with his wife who left him. And you're like, what? Hey, I remember watching a lady defend her. She's a pastor. You know why she was a pastor? Her husband was the pastor. He died. Two or one. What's up? She's the pastor. You sit there and you go, you know, you guys are getting creative with this stuff, ain't you? But this isn't that hard to understand. You may not want to understand it. It's the way that God made it. He made it that way in the beginning. Woman was taken from man. But the woman is supportive to the leadership of the man. And I will close with The book is right after the index. <laughs> Let me explain this to you. Chapter three, Book of Genesis. Now the serpent is more crafty than any other beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, the serpent said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God says, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. Okay, she's wrong. That is not what God said. She's got the smallest Bible that ever existed. Do not eat of that tree. And she says, Or touch it. So she's wrong when you say that to the father of lies, he's got you. He's got you. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die for God knows that the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So he goes for the fact that she doesn't know what she's saying, defeating her pride, she's deceived. The woman saw the tree, the good for the food, the light to the eyes, that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit, she ate, she gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Okay, here's the deal. Women are not in leadership. Why? They're deceived. Okay, love you ladies. But you will all have to admit there has been a time or two when your emotions got in the way. Okay, now you will all look at me and say there's a time or two your emotions need to get in the way. But once that happens, and if you're not solid, I mean, if she can't get that small verse Bible right, what are you going to do with the rest of it? Let me give you one more thing I want you to think about. Listen. This is creation. From the beginning, God set it up. Authority and submission. Okay. It's affirmed in the fall. The fall of humanity. Adam was not deceived. Adam willfully sinned. If, we always like to blame the woman. Adam tried it. You see what they got him, didn't you? He sinned. Sin came in through one pair? No, one man, Adam. Righteousness came in through one man, Jesus. Adam simply sinned. He knew better, and he did it anyway. The woman was the one who was deceived. I want to show you one last verse. Verse 16 in that same chapter. To the woman, this is when God, they say they're naked and they're putting, trying to put leaves on and all the rest of it. Anyway, so God curses them for disobedience. He says this. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. Anybody believe that? Okay. All right. In pain, you will bring forth children. Yet... Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, I have heard some bizarre teachings on that verse. Okay? Women have been cursed because they have this overwhelming desire for their husband. What? I've never seen that. Okay? But you have to use it in the framework because in the framework says he will rule over you. So the word desire actually in the Hebrew literally means to absurd authority. The woman will want to overthrow the authority of the man. It's going to make her mad because he will rule over you. Well, let's put it this way. He's supposed to. Love you ladies, but some of you need to let your husbands rule. But he's don't know what he's doing. He'll learn. Okay. And, and we just need to do it. I mean, ask her. She's my number one witness. He's an idiot. He's been an idiot as long as I know him. See them scars? Where'd you think he got them from? Frying pan. No. But I, I see this a lot. I don't know how many times in the past that I've had women come up to me and they <laughs> they'll say, I just want you to know my husband rules our home. And I got to the point now that if you gotta come up and tell me that, my response is always gonna be the same. Perhaps you should go tell your husband. Okay? Because listen, I love you guys females. But you have been cursed to not want to listen to your husband. Okay? Sorry. I did. When you see Adam and Eve, just bam, one in the head. You know how much pain you caused me? The point is, the role of the woman is designed by creation. Okay? but it's affirmed by God's judgment. Okay? I mean, all I have to ask, had any pain in childbearing? Whoop, whoop. Okay? I, you know, Okay, well, that one took. And, you know, he gives the man's curse. You will have to work by the sweat of your brow. Have you ever repaired something and never had to go back and fix it again? You see what I mean? It's, it's, it's never ceasing. Why? I broke again. I mean, how much duct tape can you put on it? <laughs> so, so it's you can see the curse. God's judgment on us is born witness in our lives. And the woman fell first. She was the first in the transgression. But the thing that I want to remind you is that she did it through deception. Adam was not deceived. He just yeah, let's do it. And he did it. That's where sin came into humanity, was through Adam's. Okay, and I've heard all of the, well, he saw his wife, and, you know, she was looking at him now and realized he was naked, and he felt sorry for her, and so he ate of it. That's like a bunch of poo, He told us what it was. Yeah, okay, I'll eat it. I mean, let's be realistic. These are things that I want you to understand, and when you start looking at be subject to one another in fear of the Lord, there's a reason. I have maintained control by authority and submission. And, you know, listen, guys, you're not all free yet. We get it next week. So they'll all be gone. <laughs> I'm busy. I'll send my wife. She'll take notes. <laughs> okay? But I just want us to to realize that. You know, it's easy sometimes to say, well, this is this or this is that. You know, note what it's saying. Well, I submit to my husband if he's a believer. He's in the Bible. It's not there. Okay? But that ought to give you a little bit of help of not marrying an unbeliever. Because natural man does not understand the things of God. Okay? And if we're going to do this, We have to be spirit-filled. If we're going to be spirit-filled, we have to have joy in our hearts, melody, musical melody in our souls of the new song of our redemption. We have to give thanks to God for everything. And we have to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Let's pray. I love you, Lord. Your truth is truth. I pray that each of us has been sanctified by it. We are stronger. But Father, we are more confident. Lord, we will embrace this with all of our being and say amen again amen. So Father, help us, help us to stand firm in the grace that is Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for our families that there's unity, the oneness, that the world will see that we are your children, and help us to reach the loss with love and unity and authority and submission, with joy in our hearts. We love You, Father. I thank You, Lord Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.